0: well amen open your bible please to luke chapter 15 luke chapter 15 it's good that you're back with us tonight and i'm glad to be here as well we are living in strange times i never thought when i was a kid that when i said i wouldn't touch him with a six-foot pole it would become a national policy in the united states but here we are in 2020 And so uh, these are some challenging times, and I trust that the message will be a blessing to you tonight. Luke chapter 15, if you've been saved for any time at all, you're familiar with this chapter. This is a very familiar chapter. It's the lost and found chapter in the Bible. We read about the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son, or as many would refer to as the prodigal son story. And that message is is quoted by so many people, saved and lost, about the prodigal son. Someone wrote the prodigal son in the key of F, and I don't know if you're familiar with that, but just in case you're not, I thought I'd share it with you tonight. It goes like this, feeling footloose and frisky. Feather-brained fellow forced his fond father to fork over the finances. He fled far to foreign fields and fritted his fortune, feasting fabulously with faithless friends. Finally facing famine and fleeced by his fellows in folly, he found himself, feedfinger, in a filthy farmyard. Fairly famishing, he fain would have filled his frame with the forage food of the fodder fragments. Phooey! My father's flunkies fare far finer. The frazzled fugitive found feverishly, frankly facing the facts. Frustrated by failure and filled with foreboding, he forthwith fled to his father and family. Falling at his father's feet, he floundered forlornly. Father, I have flunked. I have fruitlessly forfeited family favor. But the faithful father, forestalling further flinching, Frantically flagged a flunky, fetch forth the finest fatling, and fix a feast. But the fugitive's fault-finding brother frowned on the fickle forgiveness of the former father His fury flashed, but fussing was futile, for the far-sighted father figured such filial fidelity is fine. But what forbids fervent festivities, for the fugitive is finally found." Fly the flags with fanfares flaring. Let fun and frolic freely flow. Former failure is forgotten. Folly is forsaken. Forgiveness forms the foundation for future fellowship. The prodigal son in the key of F. Well, I trust that was a blessing to you. And if nothing else is today, I dare you to read that that fast. Now let's draw our attention, please, to Luke 15, and I'm going to read the most forgotten verses of the passage, and we'll commence reading in verse number 25. Now his elder son was in the field, and as he came and drew nigh to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant, and he said unto him, thy brother is come. And thy father hath killed the fatted calf, because he hath received him safe and sound. And he, the elder brother, was angry and would not go in. Therefore came his father out and and entreated him, and answering to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee, neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment, and yet thou never gavest me a kid that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this thy son was come, which hath devoured thy living with harlots, thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. And he, the father, said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. It was meet that we should make merry and be glad. For this thy brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. I want to draw your attention to verse number 29. And he was angry and would not go in. And the title and topic of the message tonight is Getting out of a pity party. Let's pray about it. Father, I'm going to do the best I can to teach and preach your word again tonight. And I pray that you would collect my thoughts and fill me with your Holy Spirit. And give me your words to be an encouragement to this precious church. And I just pray for the saints here in Pembroke Pines especially for next Sunday as they get to meet together for the first time in quite some time. And I pray it would be a day of celebration, a day that would be a a mini revival all wrapped up in one day. And tonight, Father, there are many that are struggling, and maybe not with COVID-19, but with other things in their lives that are robbing them of the joy of knowing Jesus Christ as Savior. And I don't know, Father, but there might be some here tonight that are one heartbeat from a devil's hell. They have no joy because they don't know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. And they have no confidence of their eternal destiny. And so, Father, tonight we pray that you would bless your word and for your children that you would excite them and encourage them and for those that don't have confidence of their eternal destiny, that tonight they would be saved. For it's in Jesus' name I pray and ask. Amen. Obviously, you can't turn on the news, you can't talk to people without the subject of COVID-19 coming up. It has totally saturated our culture and our country. And not only our country, but all the countries of the world. And some are in a tough time, some are in a pity party, and understandably so. Some have lost their life. Some have lost the life of a dear loved one. Some have lost a job, and some are struggling with their finances. Some have lost their freedom, friends, and health. And so I'm not here to criticize anyone that's in a pity party. I can't say that COVID-19 has thrown me into a pity party, but I can say that I've been in a pity party on more than one occasion. Hurt feelings is where many good people drown. And so tonight I want to be an encouragement to those of you that would like to get out of a pity party, but it's tough to get out of. And you might say, well, I'm not as bad as the prodigal son that went down to the pig pen, but I'm going to tell you tonight, you can be as good as the older brother was in this story and be in a pity party, and I'm going to tell you, both are a miserable and destructive place to be. The elder brother was angry. He was bitter. He was upset. He was sulking. He was stubborn. And yet, on the outside... He looked like a great guy that had it all together. What he did have was so much more than what he did not have. But by him dwelling on the negatives, and when I say negatives, I'm referring to sin and filth and disobedience and the past. He spoiled what he did have because of what he did not have. I'll give you three quick thoughts tonight, and I trust it'll be something you can review in the future as needed. First of all, consider with me the the curse of self-pity. When we are in a a pity party, I'm going to tell you, it's going to destroy your happiness. The Bible says in verse 28, and he was angry and would not go in. Who in their right mind would not want to participate in a party? You invite me to all-you-can-eat buffet, I'm going. I love uh, buffets. I don't know how much of that we're going to have now, but I love buffets. I think that's what the Apostle Paul meant when he said, I have buffeted myself. He buffeted his body, hallelujah. Now, I'm teasing. I hope you understand that. But here's a young man that didn't even want to go into a big celebration because he was in a pity party. When you are in a pity party, it robs you of all joy. What normally blesses your heart doesn't seem to bless you anymore. Not only does it destroy your happiness, it will destroy your usefulness. This young man was needed in the party itself. He was a family member. He was the oldest son. He was actually the one that guests would look up to. And he was not there to host with his father. And not only that, but because of him being outside of the party, it took his father out to come to attend to his his oldest boy. Can I remind you? though you name the name of Christ, though you know Jesus Christ is your Savior, when you get offended and you get hurt and you get down in a pity party, you'll withdraw yourself from the festivities of God's people and your usefulness will begin to diminish. I'm telling you, I've known people that used to be soul winners that used to go out that would come and help clean the church and today you can barely get them In a church. What happened? They got hurt. They were offended. They got into the pity party. It destroyed their happiness. And it destroyed their usefulness. It will also destroy our oneness. Verse 30. Thy son. This is also his brother. We actually become divisive the oldest boy didn't say my brother has come home no he told his father thy son he was separating himself as if he were in a different category than his younger brother and in his mind he felt he was he felt he was so much better than his brother that wasted everything that he had and so now It destroys the oneness or the unity in a family. Oh my, I I hate to say it, but sometimes we Christians, we get offended, we get hurt, and the next thing we do is become very divisive. And I want to remind you, there are six things that God hates. Yea, seven are an abomination. Proverbs chapter six, and you know what number seven is? They that sow discord amongst the brethren. A celebration is something we all enjoy. But when we get into a pity party, it's like a curse is on us. It destroys our happiness. It destroys our usefulness. And it destroys our oneness. At one time, we were a cheerleader, encouraged people to be in the house of God. And today... Because of our pity party, we are actually one of those that sow discord. Let me give you a second thought. Let's look at the cause of self pity. The cause of self pity. Let me give you a few suggestions. Number one, there is restricted vision. Restricted vision. Look in verse number 29. And he answering said to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee. Neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment. Let's stop there for a moment. Really? For all these years, he never broke one of his dad's commandments once? I find that very hard to believe. And yet there will be Christians that will be so self-righteous, they think that they have lived a perfect life. And then we question them and say, but the Bible says you've sinned, we've all sinned. And we usually excuse our sins as the result of somebody else's Causing us to. We think very little of our transgressions. We think a lot of others. Oh my goodness. The cause of self pity is because we have restricted vision. Notice he says, I, me, my. He was so engulfed with his own self. He set himself up as the standard to compare his younger brother. You know, there's someone else in the Bible that had an eye problem. In Isaiah chapter 14, we read of Satan, Lucifer, that said, For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit upon the Most High, under the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north." I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. Satan, who is the father of all liars, had an eye problem. And this is always the case when we get into a pity party. All we think about is ourselves. Not only does restricted vision cause us to get into a pity party, but distorted values. Look again in verse 29. You never killed a kid for me. Seriously? This young man lived like a king. This young man could have had anything that he wanted. In fact, his father said, everything that I have is yours. And yet, he was angry that his wayward brother would be treated so well. We hear it today like this. If people knew you like you really were, they wouldn't think so much of you. You know what that is? That's an elder brother with Distorted values. His values are, I want all the attention. I want all the commendations. I want all the gifts. The father said, this is all yours. But I felt it was good to celebrate because a wayward son is home. I think I understand that a little bit. Have you ever been hurt by someone? They speak evil of you? Now, it's hard to believe that anyone would ever speak evil of me. I mean, it's just hard to believe that, but it does happen. And then for them to be received by everybody and welcomed almost like a lost hero that has returned home, you know, I have to keep my eyes on the Lord and on the big picture and off myself. Because if I focus on just me, it will distort my values. And I will believe that I'm the only one that's deserving of these gifts and the attention. Then thirdly, he had an outraged virtue. Now keep in mind, this was a good kid. The elder brother, I mean, he dotted his I's, he crossed his T's perfectly. He was a good kid. And when I say kid, he was a man. He was a good man. You'd want him as a neighbor. He'd probably be a wonderful husband or a great dad. He'd be a good church member because he would be so disciplined in everything that he did. But his virtue was corrupt. He looked good on the outside, but in the inside, he was a mess. He said in verse 29, these many years have I served thee. Really? He's implying Look what you've done for a son that hasn't done a thing, but waste everything you gave. And I have served you all these years, and what will I get? There's no party for me, no celebration for me. Can you not see that reveals the motive for his service? You know, God is going to judge us for our works. He also knows the thoughts and intents of our heart and our motives for why we do what we do will also weigh in to the judgment as well now let's get to the part that I need to rehearse more often than not the cure for self-pity even The older brother didn't like being miserable, but he couldn't get out of it. It's hard to get out of it. Something's got to shake this boy to wake him up. Let me share a story of our family traveling to Florida. We've been coming to Florida for many years. Most northerners wish they could live down here. We came to Cocoa Beach, oh, decades ago, and our littlest couldn't have been six, seven years old. And the girls were in the van, the back of the van. We had a converted van. Every Baptist converts everything. So we had a converted van, and it had a VCR and a TV, and the kids would be watching A Thief in the Night, A Distant Thunder, and those of you older folks such as I, you remember those great Christian films on the rapture. And in the back of the van, I mean, we are just, we weren't even an hour away from Cocoa Beach. It's a long drive from Chicago. And all of a sudden from the back of the van, our youngest yelled out, Dad, they're picking on me! And so as a good father, I, I ignored her scream. I, I had to stay focused on the, on the road ahead. And all of a sudden she screamed again, Dad, they're picking on me. And I knock it off. We're on vacation. We're having fun. A few minutes later she screamed, Dad, I said, I said, knock it off. Now do you want me to pull the van over on the side of the road and, and, and whip you kids and state trooper's going to drive by and arrest me and take me to jail. Is that what you want? That was a dumb question. I will admit that. And all of a sudden, I was ready for Joy to yell again. And all of a sudden, her countenance, I'm looking in the rearview mirror, her countenance completely changed. She said, Dad, look! And her face, she was beaming with joy and delight and I I looked up ahead I couldn't see what she was pointing at and finally I caught what she was looking at there was a billboard on the side of the highway advertising a convenience store like like a 7-eleven or a white hen pantry and it was called the joy store and she said dad look my name! They wrote my name on that billboard! Now, let's pause the story for a moment. Do you think her four sisters all of a sudden said, Oh, excuse us, we didn't know we were speaking to royalty, to someone famous with their name up on a billboard? Absolutely not. Those four siblings just turned up the torture. That's not your name. It's the name of a store, you idiot. This is my point. The circumstances caused her to get into a pity party. But all of a sudden, her face changed because she saw her name on a billboard. The circumstances didn't change. In fact, quite frankly, they got worse. But she was filled with delight because she was focused that her name was written on a billboard. Jesus said to his disciples in Luke chapter 10, verse 20, Rejoice, not that you have power over the devils, but that your name is written in heaven. Are you catching the lesson here? The cure for self-pity is always focus. What are you looking at? The songwriter put it so well when he said, Turn your eyes upon Jesus. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Put your focus on his abiding presence. Verse 31, thou art ever with me. We need to focus on the fact that God is always with us. Hebrews 13, 5 says, I will never leave thee. I will never forsake thee. You may be suffering right now, it may be covid-19 related it may be something entirely separate but god is with you and if you'll focus on him it will help pull you out of the self-pity party focus on his abundant provision all that i have is thine philippians 419 says but my god shall supply all your needs usually when i quote that verse someone will say well that's easy for you to say let me interrupt that how do you know that psalm 37 tells us that god he's lived a long time in his life and he's never seen god forsake the righteous and he's never seen the righteous begging for bread i want to remind you that the psalmist says Every single day, he loads us with benefits. It would help if you just pull out pencil and paper, or as I do on my iPhone, jot down the blessings of God each and every day. That will help pull you out of that pity party. Focus on his presence, focus on his provision, but also focus on The achieved purpose. Look in verse 32. It was meet that we should make merry and be glad. For this thy brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. I'm convinced that so many Christians today put on a smiling face, all for numerous reasons, so as not to be offense to others, so as not to bring shame on Christ. Deep in their heart, they've lost their joy. And the biggest reason is because most of us Christians today are not focusing on our purpose. Our purpose today is to make disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if we're not involved in that mission, we can't help but eventually end up in a pity party. The Bible says, He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. You want to get happy? You lead someone to Jesus Christ. And it will pull you out of that pity party very rapidly. Now, when I say witness to someone, let me tell you what that looks like. I, Bruce Humbert, I got saved when I was an eight-year-old boy. I knew as an eight-year-old I was a sinner. And you think, well, what can an eight-year-old do? He can disobey God. And we have Ten Commandments. And even an eight-year-old is old enough to disobey God the Father. And I'm glad I didn't wait till I was 80 years old to figure that out. But I realized that I was a sinner. And because I was a sinner, I was unfit to stand before a holy God. And quite frankly, the thought of dying, even as an eight-year-old, scared me that I would not spend eternity in heaven. My mom and dad were very careful to be sure that we were in church. And when we went to church, we heard the preacher preach the gospel from this book, the Word of God. How that Jesus Christ, who was God, became flesh, was born of a virgin. He lived a sinless life. He couldn't sin, he was God. His flesh was tempted, but because he was God, he could not sin. He then laid his life down for my sin, for your sin, for the sin of the world. Only a sinless sacrifice could be offered for sinful people. Jesus, who knew no sin and did no sin, became sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. He died on the cross. He was buried. and Three days later, he resurrected from the grave. And today, he's alive and forevermore will be. And because he conquered death, hell, and the grave, he has the power to save even to the uttermost. No matter how far you've gone from God, he can save you. You might say, how? The Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. If God speak into your heart, right there, right now. Why don't you ask God to save you? For those of you that are saved, and particularly the members here of Pembroke Pines, Bible Baptist Church, I pray that you won't waste another hour in a pity party. Pull yourself out. Focus on the abiding presence of God on his abundant provision and the achieved purpose that we are involved in. And I hope and pray that this weekend, a holiday weekend here in America, would be a time of celebration for you as a believer in Jesus Christ. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Father. We thank you again for the Lord Jesus Christ and for the salvation that we have in him. Father, forgive us for focusing on ourself and our own desires and wants more than we focus on you. Heavenly Father, help those that want to get out of the pity party to get out now. And then, Father, for those that are listening, That deep in their heart, they don't know that if they were to die tonight, they would go to heaven. I pray right there where they're at, they would confess to you that they know that they're a sinner. That they believe that Jesus Christ died for their sin. That he was buried and resurrected from the grave. And right there, they would ask Jesus Christ to come into their life and save them from their sin. And from this day forward, live like a child of the King. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.